Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Are you ready? Maybe not, hopefully by the end of this morning. I really believe that favor is going to flow into jobs. Authority is going to flow into marriages again. Unity and blessing is going to flow into areas of finance where there's been disorder. Order is going to come as we step out in faith and say, God, would you use us and multiply in our lives? Are you okay for that journey? Who wants some blessing? Come on, surely, surely, eh? Come on, some favor. So this morning, I want to prepare myself, I'm preaching to myself, I'm preaching to us, and I want to prepare us as a, as a people for the season of multiplication. Is that all right? So we're going to read a scripture together, it's found in Matthew chapter 14. If you have been reading along with our 14-day devotional, which is on our Facebook page, our Twitter, our Instagram, our website, this would, be, would have been day five reading, we read this on Friday together. But if you haven't started reading with us, tomorrow morning is a new day, day eight. You've got seven more days. Dig into the scriptures with us. We, we're journeying in the scripture together, and we're asking God to speak to us as a people. But this scripture is called, this is a famous uh, story from verse 13 to verse 21, and it's, it's entitled, The Feeding of the 5,000, or otherwise known as a Zimbabwean wedding. <laughs> you never know how big that guest list is going to be. The friends and family keep coming, and we've got to feed them. But anyway, let's read it together. It's a well-known scripture. It should come up behind me, and then we'll pray. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Just very quick aside, the news that he heard, if you read just a little bit of scripture before, is that his good friend, John the Baptist, had been murdered. So Jesus has just heard that his good mate has died. In a, in a terrible, terrible way. So Jesus hears this news. He live, leaves in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Bam, powerful story. Let's, read, let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning as we prepare our hearts for a new season, a new stretching, a season of multiplication. I thank you, Father God, that not one of us would sit back and say that's their story. I pray that not one of us will, allow, will just let the, 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 the mission of God drift by us. I pray, Father God, that not one of us would sit back and just and shrug our shoulders and say, yeah, I'm okay. I thank you, Father God, that you would arrest our hearts this morning and as a people, we would rise up and say, God, would we, we are ready for your multiplication in us naturally and spiritually. 
You're about to pour out your spirit in you. You're going to open up the heavens again afresh, Father God, so we can see your glory, so we can know your power, so we can have, know your authority, we can know your anointing, we can see the, the sick healed, we can see um, the, 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 the prophets start prophesying again, we can see us inviting our neighbors and our friends with confidence, God. I thank you, Father, that we are, you're going to use us in this day as we prepare our hearts afresh. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Three points out of this passage, and it's very hot, and there's no aircon at the moment because of the power. We like teasing you with this aircon, eh? It's a cruel, cruel game. But this morning, the first point, in understanding your multiplication, what, what, when I say your multiplication, your ability to receive the blessing, to receive the anointing, to receive the authority and the favor that God has for you, point number one, your multiplication is in your sense, it'll come up on the screen, of expectation. Let me say it again. Your multiplication is in your sense of expectation. Have you got it? Yeah, here we go. Let me explain that. The disciples in the story, they've had a tough day. Daniel Pouter has been singing, I've had a bad day. They had one of those. Their good mate, their, one of their heroes, John the Baptist, who was Jesus' good friend, had just been murdered. They had panic stations. This is not good, this is not good stuff. If, if John is getting killed, what, who's next? But they're a bit worried about this sort of situation. So much so that then they can also see that Jesus is, is withdrawing to go be alone. Jesus is not, is not unaffected by our pain. He's not unaffected by our natural circumstances. He's not some far off God saying, oh, look how they're struggling today. No, he, he's in there. He, he's, he knows, he supplies all of our riches according to his glory. He knows our needs. He knew, knows our pains. He knows our hurts. So much so that he felt, he felt sad and he needed to be alone. And his disciples see this and they see all this, 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 this stuff that's happened. They just wanted to be alone with Jesus, I bet. They were like, you know what, we just want to withdraw. We want to catch our breath. We want to chat with him, talk about, over about this John the Baptist incident. We need, a, we, need a, we need a rally together. But all of a sudden, they look up, and there's crowds coming, present crowds who are desperate for Jesus, who are wanting the life of God. They want to pull back and say, let's, just, let's, let's, let's regroup. But God had something else on the move there. In the moment of this, in the moment of tragedy, God says, I still want to increase. In the moment of pain, I still want to increase. In the moment of suffering, I still want to increase. My kingdom cannot be stopped by natural circumstances. My kingdom will not be stopped by the hands of men. The crowds come, and they start pressing in. And the disciples, in their frustration, they're like, oh, this is frustrating. Jesus always does. You know, he never thinks of the practical things. Disciples, Peter, like, you know, chain with Judas. Judas, how much money we have? And Judas says, uh, one for me, one for um, not, not a lot, not a lot, Peter. Like, oh, this is a problem. So they go to Jesus, they, they draw straws, I can imagine, and they say, Peter, it's you. You go tell Jesus what, what we feel. Peter goes, you know, Jesus, trying to step up, you know, and say, Jesus, you know, so it's getting dark. We're in a remote place. We've got, we, it's the wrong time. It's late at night. This is not the great time for this sort of ministry. And, 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 and you know, we actually don't have any food here for these people. Basically, you're saying, wrong place, wrong time, wrong resources. No multiplications happening here, Jesus. We're pulling back. And this amazing, amazing discourse starts to happen. I want to tell you this morning that their greatest limitation was their lack of expectation. Their greatest limitation was not their wrong place. They thought it was. Their greatest limitation was not their wrong time. They thought it was. Their greatest limitation from seeing God's kingdom break into their life was not the fact that they had the wrong resources. The greatest limitation was their lack of expectation. They stopped seeing the provision and they just saw the lack. They forgot very quickly who Jesus was and they poured it, pulled it down into a very natural setting and environment. Wrong place, wrong time, wrong resources. 
We do this all the time. Am I the only one who does that all the time, who disqualifies the life of God, the work of God, because circumstances are not ideal. Circumstances in my life, I say it all the time. I don't have enough money. I'm not in a good place with God. No, not, not yet. I'm just not in a good place with God. Give me a few days. Send, the, send them away. I'm not in a good place. Or, or I'm, what's a, it's not a convenient time. God, it's not a convenient time for me. Let me get my life in order a little bit first. I don't have enough money, enough energy, enough passion. But then as I wrote that down, I realized God's saying to me, since when does what you don't have define what God can do? Since when? Where does it say that in the scripture? It doesn't. The principle of scripture is this. From the very beginning, God sets in motion what he wants to do. He says it's never about what you, where you are. It's never about your timing. It's never about your resources. It's about me. From the beginning, he says, out of nothing, I created everything. He puts in motion his operators, his operators, man, whatever, modus operandi, that's the word. Man, it's Latin, you, you won't get it. You know? <laughs> he puts into his plan in motion the thing that the way God works with his people is he said the earth was formless and without shape, and he said, but God spoke, and out of that place, life exploded. The disciples forget that and all the time, and they, they keep coming and say, We don't have anything! Nothing can happen, Jesus. And Jesus says, don't you remember from the beginning, Genesis 1, even from Matthew 1, he said, nothing good has ever come from Nazareth. Jesus goes, but I love doing that. I love going to the place where there's nothing and bringing everything. I love that. So if you're saying again, there's nothing good happening in my life, nothing good in my marriage, there's no life there, I want to tell you perfect conditions for God to break in. Perfect. He's not waiting for, some, for your resources. He's waiting for your expectation. This is huge because Romans 4 verse 17 says, this happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. That's what God does. And I pray that you don't hear a list from this pulpit and our preaching, you don't hear a list of things to do to get God's blessing. You've got to understand that God's desire is to bless. His desire is to, to give. His desire, he's a generous father. He said God so loved the world that he gave and his hand has not been pulled back. He's a God who's generous and he's for us. And this is huge. But then the, the understanding of our partnering with God in this story is years ago, I've told this story before, but it's so key for who I am. In Zimbabwe, I grew up in Zimbabwe and we were part of a church there. Um, and for years, we met in a school hall. And, uh, and for years, as the economy went this way, the pastor seemed to get more and more excited and his voice got more and more high-pitched and he got more and more charismatic as he told us that we are God, has, God has spoken and we are going to get our own, a building of our own. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a, a center for the arts. It's going to be a center for the community. Hospital will be there. School fields will be And the vision got bigger and bigger as the economy got worse and worse. And we're all going, ah, what time does that other church start? It's like this is getting more and more daunting as a day. Then after a while, he called us, uh, called a big church meeting, and we went to an empty plot of land where there's nothing but flay. And he yelled out with a hard hat on in ceremonial style. He said, can you see it? Can you see our building? There was nothing but flay. But this man, something had gripped his heart that the enemy, the, 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 the economy had said, no chance in hell. Everyone is leaving Zimbabwe. Why are you building a big building? Now, what are you doing? Everything inside of him, everything said, wrong place, wrong time, wrong resources. Definitely. But something inside of him said, this is what God has spoken, and I believe a God who created everything out of nothing. 
If God has spoken, who are we to pull back? And this powerful, this incredible man said that, and his wife and the charismatic flair got going, and she started saying, he's a crazy man. He's a crazy man. And he was crazy. In Zimbabwe, the newspaper headlines called it Tom's White Elephant. They said, he's going to build something, but no one will go. He'll run out of money. He's a crazy man. But what the world was causing crazy, I believe heaven was going, he's a crazy man. We know now we, got, we can partner with this guy. Heaven is not looking for reasonable people. We've never been commended for being reasonable. Safety. Measure pull back. Wrong time, wrong. Let's just consolidate. Jesus said, no, I've never commended life change for being reasonable. You are a wild, faithful, big-thinking, risk-taking people. That's who we are. We forget too quickly, though. Your multiplication is in your sense of expectation. I want to tell you, we are a people of faith. And I preach this to myself, and that word, you're a crazy man, has gone so deep in my heart, and everything inside of me wants to just go, let's just tend to safety. Let's just tend to something we can control. Why not button down the hatches? Things are good here. Things are great. But God is saying, no, I've not called you to reasonable living. I've called you to crazy faith. Your expectation leads to his multiplication in your life. Your greatest limitation is your lack of expectation. But so how do we build our expectation? Number one and only point for this one is this. Feast on the word. Feast on the word. The word of God brings life. The word of God, how? It says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I tell you, if you want to build faith in your life, if you want to say, God, I want to sow in the opposite spirit, I see a lack in my marriage, I see a lack in my finance, I see a lack in my, in my energy levels to my kids, I feel a lack in areas, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling drained, I want to tell you, you've got to start understanding the language of faith. Faith pleases God, and the only way we get faith is start to read His Word. Feast on His Word. This is a season of feasting, we've just come out of fasting, but Jesus says, now it's time to feast. Feast on me. Feast on my provision. Feast on my word. I can't encourage you enough. This is not a preacher gimmick. This is me saying, please, please start reading the Bible. That's why we're doing a 14-day devotional. If you say, I don't know where to start, start there. Just start there. It's a small, bite-sized chunk because I'm telling you, the word of God stirs up faith inside of us. And that's when we can start to expect the multiplication of God. I really believe give God your attention and he will grow your expectation. Give God your attention. He will grow your expectation. So the first point is your multiplication is in your sense of expectation. Secondly, your multiplication is in your activation. Expectation followed very closely by your activation. I love the disciples in the story. They, they, are, they are us. They are who we are. They say this, they say to Jesus, they said, we want to send them away. They see a crowd, and the crowd that they wanted to send away, Jesus said, no, that crowd I want to feed. The crowd they wanted to send away, the very people they wanted to push back on, Jesus said, no, those are the people I want to reach. And I think we work in that way, we, we push away, we push away, but God says, those are the very things that I want to do and feed them. I want to tell you, your limitation often is in your abdication. Your limitation is in your lack of expectation. Your limitation is in your abdication of what God has already spoken. And I think, for me, I am lukewarm and passive at the best of times without the Spirit of God, when I'm not linking into the Spirit of God. And I think so too often I've allowed moments, I think of David and Goliath, I think that moment, that massive moment was going to change the nation's history. David could have got there and said, not my problem. I'm supposed to look after sheep. 
That's your job. Cheers. Abdication, Delilah will come. God will raise up maybe another man. But I really believe that too often I think a lot of us are praying, God, let me do big things for you. Yeah, but not that. Yeah, not that though. But that's their job. No, come on, no, 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 no. I want to do something big for you, God. And we're not seeing the life of God. We're not seeing increase of authority, anointing, favor because we're abdicating. Authority grows. Take authority in your home, you get given more. Faithful with little, you get more. It's an incredible principle that we have to understand. But this amazing thing, Jesus shifts the conversation straight away from their lack. And he says, they say, not our problem, Jesus. These guys send them away so they get food. Jesus says this, no, you feed them. The incredible authority Jesus gives us even in our weakness is profound. The amount of authority that you and I have sitting in this room, I'm telling you, even in our pinky fingers, is more authority than the political figures and the mayors of this town. I want to tell you that. But we are we're too passive. We, no, not my problem, not my problem. But God has given us more authority than the mayor of Cape Town in our city, if we understand Scripture right. Often we abdicate because we're not aware that every moment is spiritual. Too often the problem of the sacred and secular divide is Sunday is church day, Monday to Friday I do my work, and then Sunday is church day. Or even we say, I'm going to give God half an hour in the morning. That's awesome to give him half an hour undivided attention, but God is saying, I want your whole day. There's no sacred and secular. Somebody once said to me, so when, when, did, you, when did you know you, needed to, you, were, you were called to be full-time? I was like, when did you know you were called to be full-time? They're like, what do you mean? I said, I don't understand. This language is so unhelpful of they work in the church and I don't. So their job is more spiritual than mine. If you're a plumber, it's for the glory of God. It's so the kingdom of God can come there. It's if you are a barista, I've said it before, you're not just a coffee maker, you're a bean revivalist. <laughs> if you're an accountant, you're the Billy Graham of spreadsheets. I'm telling you, God is so clever. He's a chess player. He's placed his, the priesthood of all believers everywhere around the city. And he says, the church gather on a Sunday. They scatter Monday to Friday. We invite people to church on a Sunday. We take the church to them on a, on a Monday. We take the church. Do you know that every Monday, we are commissioning. In two weeks' time, we're commissioning people to go plant a church in Milton. Today, I'm commissioning 500 pastors to go and pastor our city. Go and pastor your workplace. Going and, and the way you worship God is by being the best accountant you can ever be for the glory of God. That is spiritual. Sometimes a friend of mine once said, you know, I really want my, work, my accounting to work for God, so I'm thinking of starting a prayer meeting at work. I said, that's awesome, but if you're already there as an accountant, don't you start a prayer meeting to be spiritual? You already are spiritual. Don't abdicate authority and say, oh, maybe one day when you start a prayer meeting, then God will want to work here. He wants to work in your workplace. He's wanting to multiply authority. He's wanting to pour that out now. I want to really believe it. We've said this many times before, but the fact that when Wally and Shirley moved here 16 years ago with nothing, wrong time, wrong place, their children were young, not good timing to move from Freyat. Pull kids out of school, wrong time. Wrong place, Tableview. Earlier day, Tableview, there was nothing here. Probably better, let's go to the city. Nicer, probably better place to plant a church. There's not many people out here yet. Wrong resources. Why and Shirley? What did you guys have? Not much. Just faith in their hearts. But they had expectation and they refused to abdicate. They activated on their faith and were obedient with what they had. Can I tell you the first few years were tough. Weren't easy, weren't all fun and games, but they saw God break out. Can I tell you, 
what Wally and Shirley saw years ago when they looked out, they probably didn't see hundreds of people finding Christ, hundreds of people being commissioned, hundreds of people finding the gifts in Jesus, marriages being restored. They didn't see it in the natural, but they saw it in the spiritual, and look what God is doing. Again, years ago, there was no building here, and they could have just said, hey, let's just keep meeting in homes, it's nice, but Wally and Shirley said, no, we feel that God has called, given us this land. And Wally, in a similar probably moment, said, can you see our land? And the 70 plus minus folks said, we're with you. Is he okay, Shirley? But 70 people, 70 people sacrificed to put this building up for the glory of God. But I can tell you in their hearts, their desire was not that this would be it. They were saying this place, God, would just be the launching pad for the more. We believe we're living in the greatest days of, 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 of the gospel because Jesus has given himself fully. He's given us his Holy Spirit, and he's not taking his Holy Spirit back. And he's saying, what will you do with him? So often I think we pray, Holy, we need your Holy Spirit. And he's saying, what do you need me for? You're doing nothing. <laughs> Step out. Can I tell you what anointing is? The word anointing. The anointed of the Lord. Have you ever heard that one before? No? The man of God. Anointing is obedience. Anointing of God flows when you are obedient. Can I tell you something? I've seen no sick people healed until I laid my hands on them. God, give me the gift of healing. Give me the gift of healing. Sick person, sick person. God, give me the gift of healing. Pray for someone. Pray for someone. Can I tell you, I think, no, God, I really want to be a better father. I really want to be a better father. Send an alarm. Get up early. Start praying. Start seeking God for your family. Start praying for your children. Start praying for your wife. But it's awkward. Start doing it and watch the grace of God flow. The anointing flows when we step out. Can I tell you, there is not one, there's not such a thing as the man of God. We are all men of God. We're all women of God because of Jesus Christ. There's no other mediator. No pastor is your mediator. You have direct access to the Father because of Jesus Christ. Our job as preachers actually is very unglamorous. It's supposed to equip the body for works of service. If the body aren't doing the works of service, the pastor is failing. He can have the biggest church. He can have the coolest ministry. He can be on the iTunes top 10 downloads of the year. If his church aren't being mobilized, fail. Because the, pur the purpose of a, the pastor is to equip the saints, the priesthood of all believers, to be the pastors in the city. That's our job. And that's what we're praying that, and understanding. When we understand the multiplication breaks in. I want to tell you your multiplication isn't in your experience, it's in your obedience. It's not in your experience. I've never seen that. But no, it's in your obedience. Watch what God will do. I love it. When Jesus, Jesus gets at the bread and he, he gets it and after they bring the, the five loaves, two fish to him, the small lunch, and I always, sorry, comical moment aside, where I just always wonder how do they get that lunch from that kid? It's like, you know, they go, all we have are these five loaves and two. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, thanks, thanks. You know, hand up. Little kid, like, shucks, that sucks, man. But I don't know, maybe, just a little thought. But they, they, they get this lunch, they give it to Jesus, and he said, Jesus did this, he does these three things. He blessed it, he broke it, and then he gave it to them. How, how amazing this thing. Can I tell you, I don't think this was some big ceremonial, ceremonial moment where Jesus said, 5,000 people, listen. Hello, listening, I'm breaking the bread now. No, it was just a very natural moment. He broke it, thank you, Jesus, broke the bread, and gave it back to the disciples and said, you distribute it. 
Disciples and their lack and their backward nature were given authority by Jesus to go and distribute the, the bread. And as they started to do that, when, when did the multiplying start happening? Was it when Jesus blessed it, when he, gave, when he broke it? I don't, we, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I would love to, I'd love to think that as they started to hand out, it just started to multiply more. It wasn't like suddenly, whoa, Jesus gave us 5,000. No, still a little bit going, what are we doing, guys? Why is this still, where, where is this coming from? This is some David Blaine freaky stuff. What's going on? Like, this amazing miracle. Can I tell you, I believe the multiplication happens when we activate, when we obey, when we step out. When you start doing something, God pours out his authority, pours out his anointing. He starts pouring out his favor. Stop waiting. The green light of the gospel says, go. It's now. I want to tell you, Jesus invites us to partner with him in his work. And he's done this since the beginning. He says, in the very beginning, he forms man, and the first thing he says to man is, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Increase the number, fill the earth, and subdue it. God gives man authority. And he says, take the garden. In the beginning, in Revelation, the whole story finishes in a city. We're not supposed to stop in a garden and go, this is awesome. God said, no, develop it. Make it, subdue it, fill the earth. Think of technology, be creative, start inspiring one another, start filling the earth with the glory of God by being his representatives. That's what God has called us to do. It's not about rituals or ceremonies, but obedience. Because the Bible says this, obedience is better than sacrifice. I know for too long, I think I was content in just saying, Jesus, I'll give you my worship, I'll give you my time on a Sunday, I'm not going to step out in obedience and trust you for radical things during the week. And Jesus says, actually, I don't need your sacrifice. I want your obedience. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. Start saying yes to God. I think that's for me the greatest theology I ever heard was say no to the, de- the devil, say yes to God. Really quite simple. We make it very complicated. Start saying yes to God and you'll see the faith will start to grow. Your multiplication is in your sense of expectation. Your multiplication is in your activation. Finally, your multiplication is in His invitation. I want to land this morning by saying, is this story just about food? Is it really? Was that the whole point of the story where Jesus said, we're going to feed a crowd of 5,000 people? Wow. I want to say, firstly, I think yes. In one sense, it is. I love the fact that Jesus partners with them in a very natural thing of feeding people. Too often, I think we want to leap to a very spiritual conclusion before God says, actually, your job, be a good accountant, be a good doctor, be a good car god, be a great, be the best you can be. I think too often we're abdicating that authority and we're losing authority in the spiritual because we don't want to pick it up in the natural. God says, I'm going to give you authority with these people because you fed them. Sometimes I think we're looking at stuff, no, that's just, no, that's natural stuff, man. Spiritual stuff happens on a Sunday when the keyboard's playing. Very spiritual is your work. What Jesus did, feeding the 5,000 on his own, is very spiritual. He fed people at their point of need. Very spiritual. But I also want to say that secondly, he was also inviting them, the disciples and the people around there, to lay down their lives of limitation and abdication and just getting by, lay down their lives, or just getting by, and say, pick up my life of favor, anointing, and authority. Jesus was wanting to show them the, the, the way the kingdom works. You bring your lack, I will multiply it into the more. 
You bring your lack, I will multiply it into the more. But I love that one line that's nestled in there. It says this, Jesus says, when they say, we've only got this five loaves, two fish, he says, bring them to me. Too often we bring our lack to ourselves. We, we, obsess. we, people, we are people who are obsessed with our weaknesses. We're obsessed with our sin. We're obsessed with our limitations. Can I tell you, heaven is not obsessed with your weakness. God is not obsessed, are you ready? With your sin. Do you know why? Jesus said, it's finished. Done. No more sacrifices needed. Sat down on the right hand of the Father. Why? So you can say, get on with the mission. Your sin is dealt with. Believe it. Settle it so you can get on with the mission. Too often I think we're giving our sin attention because we're not doing the mission. We're bored. We sing on the keys of the kingdom, but we're bored. We're not captivated with what God has called us to do. But I love how the gospel is actually preached in this passage. Jesus was doing an incredible thing as he stood up and he took a very natural loaf and he broke it and multiplication came and many were fed from it. Jesus was, in a, in a sense, saying, the bread of life, me, the one who is going to feed the nations of the world, I am the bread of life. He said, I'm going to be broken and it's in my breaking that multiplication will come. Yeah. And do you know what? When Jesus was broken on the cross and his body was broken for us, it says this, that many sons came to glory. One died. Many came to life. Is that not the pattern of our Father? The Father who says, if you bring me your little, if you bring me the small, if you just bring me this, I will multiply it into, into feeding and being a, ba- a blessing to many others. It was symbolic of what was to come. Jesus, the bread of life, broken for the sons to come into glory. I want to pray this morning. In a simple way, there's just faith in my heart that God is wanting to unlock faith in, your, in, in our hearts. He's wanting to unlock um, His favor, His anointing, His authority. He's wanting to unlock uh, a courage to obey Him radically. To say yes to God when everything inside of us wants to say wrong place, wrong time, wrong resources. God is wanting to activate our faith this morning. And I really believe that if we posture ourselves and if we start off by the fact of saying yes to His invitation to bring it to me, Come to me. Bring your weakness to me. If you don't know Jesus and you're far from him, you say, I'll be, but you don't know what I've done, Gabe. You don't know how terrible my life is. You don't know all the things I've committed, the things I thought about last night, the things I've thought about during the service. I want to tell you, Jesus says this, bring it to me. Bring it to me and watch me heal it and watch me restore it and watch me multiply what I want to do in your life. That's what God wants to do this morning. And he wants to fill those who are hungry. So can we bow our heads, please, quickly? I really believe God is wanting, in the, as in the natural, we're about to multiply as a church. I believe God, in a spiritual sense, is wanting to unlock wealth. He's wanting to pour out favor. He wants to where there's been a limitation set over your life, where there's been limitation over your, your walk with God, where there's been a limitation in your marriage, where there's been a limitation in your authority in your workplace. When you feel, you've, you just, I, I feel like I'm stuck. I'm in the wrong place, wrong time, wrong resources. God is saying today, bring it to me. Your multiplication is released by your expectation. It's released when you, by your activation. It's released by his invitation. If that's you, can you just lift your hands to him in a posture of surrender? I want to pray for you.
Heavenly Father, in this moment as, a, as your son, not as a preacher trying to convince people of something, but a son who is so totally convinced that Jesus, you are life and life to the full. You're a God who doesn't want to just add or subtract. You want to multiply our effectiveness. You want to multiply our authority. You want to multiply our, our anointing. You want to multiply your favor in our lives. You want to multiply our intimacy with you. You want to multiply our breakthrough. Father, I pray as faith rises and these people who have lifted their hands, I pray, Father God, would you start to give them courage to activate, courage to obey, courage to step out, courage to bring their limited resources, their limited time, their limited place, their limited opportunity, their limited strength to you and say, Father, would you multiply it? I thank you, Father God, for what we're about to see coming out of Life Changes Tableview, Life Changes Milmerton. We are going to be so amazed by what you're going to do through your sons and daughters, not just on Sundays, but Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, in queues, in office meetings, in moments with other moms, picking up kids from school. God, you're going to unlock and unleash the priesthood of all the believers in a multiplied way. In Jesus' name we pray.